In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of Misra, and the Gospel today is from Mark chapter 13. And for those who don't know, Misra, the last month in the Coptic year. And if uh, every month, Yani Tariban has four Sundays, so the fourth Sunday of Misra is the last and it typically is the last Sunday of the Coptic year. And yani, this year is a little different. Mr. has five Sundays. So next, year, or next week we'll have another gospel. But typically this is the end of the Coptic year. And because it's the end of the Coptic year, the church reminds us about the end of time. And so the gospel of today is about our Lord Jesus Christ speaking to his disciples about the end of the world. And in the teaching of our Lord, our Lord says at the end of days, things are going to be crazy. Things are going to be crazy. There will be wars, there will be famines, there might be plagues, COVID, persecutions, there will be sorrows. It could be a lot of things going on. But then the Lord says, he who endures to the end shall be saved. He who endures to the end shall be saved. And today I want to talk to you about endurance. And specifically three ways the Christian has to endure. Three ways that the Christian has to endure. The first way the Christian must endure, or the Christian must preserve, maybe another way to say it, the truth. Must preserve the truth. And to be able to endure the attacks on the truth. Attacks to our doctrine. Attacks to our belief system. In the Gospel of today, our Lord, He says, Take heed that no one... Deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am he, and will deceive many. And later on in the gospel he says, For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And one consistent theme throughout the gospel and throughout all the epistles, if you read any chapter, any time, it's always the truth and then all the lies. And beware of the lies that, that, are, that is around you. Even like our Lord Jesus Christ, when he was speaking to his disciples, he said, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What was the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? They thought he was talking about bread, and they realized, no, he's talking about their doctrine, to beware of the doctrine. In St. Paul, in many places, he says, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. In the Galatians, St. Paul says something very harsh. He says to the Galatians, he says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you so that you would not obey the truth? In other words, St. Paul is saying, who hypnotized you? Who's like putting a spell on you? And that, why do you turn away from the truth? And these days, there are so many different claims to the truth. You know, there's different religions claiming to, claiming to be true. And now there's even like celebrities who are pushing strange, strange practices. 
to bring happiness, like people who are in sorrow. And if you read any of like, and I read an account of someone, and it was very shocking. They traveled to the end of the world to do something so dumb, and to practice, and to smoke, and to do something so weird. All for, like, they thought all of this was going to bring happiness, so desperate for happiness, and so they went in crazy pursuits of happiness. And then other people might read this and be like, oh, I should try this as well. This sounds so confusing. And one thing in common of all these strange doctrines is maybe they carry one element of truth. So they mix truth with with lies. And that's why like false teaching always runs like runs right beside true doctrine because this creates the deception that's more difficult to detect. And so it might sound good, it might feel good, it might do a lot of things good, but if you look dig down deep into it, it is it is lies. Imagine someone that counterfeits money. When you counterfeit money, their objective is to make it look and feel authentic, make it feel genuine. But at the end of the day, this is a counterfeit dollar. And I feel these days many people are accepting counterfeit dollars, counterfeit tender into their banks. And they're accepting all these things from outside the world that they think will bring them happiness and enduring different doctrine away from the truth. Even one time I was talking about to someone who actually was in prison for counterfeiting money. I was asking, how did you do this? How did you... They said they would counterfeit the money, and then they would take the counterfeit bills, like a hundred. If you're going to counterfeit, you counterfeit hundred dollar bills. You don't counterfeit dollar bills. You do hundred dollar bills. And you would take it to a place that people don't like. And you don't take the counterfeit money and go to the bank. Oh, I had to repeat this stuff. You go to jail for this stuff, okay? Like, so they take it, and they would take the $100 bill and go to, like, a place. They told me they would go to, like, a, the dollar store. And they would buy a candy bar for $1 and pay with a counterfeit 100 And so then the cashier just takes it and puts it in. He gives them 99 back. And then, homo, I seen with real money. This, that could never happen to, at the bank. Why? Because the bank, they, they're aware, this is fake, man. This is fake stuff. You're giving me fake stuff. Because the only way you could be conscious if this is fake stuff is you have to be trained, to be knowledgeable. And that's why, Yanni, one of the criticisms that the Lord, He gave to the Sadducees, when the Sadducees were introducing weird doctrine, He said to them, You are mistaken in your beliefs. They were talking about marriage. He said, you're mistaken in your beliefs. Not knowing scriptures and not knowing the power of God. And I think this is one of the problems of like our society. We do not know the scriptures, nor do we know the power of God. So we accept all this counterfeit garbage into our lives. Instead of the word of God. We need to be rooted in the Word of God, and then we can see how fake and everything else is. I was reading a story about a Californian nurse named Sheila. And this, this story is featured in a book. It's called Habits of the Heart. And Sheila said, I believe in God, but I'm not a religious fanatic. 
Okay? I'm, I believe in God, but I'm not a religious fanatic. I think this described as maybe 99% of like America. I can't remember the last time I went to church. My faith has carried me a long way. And then this person said, the name of this religion is, my faith has carried me a long way. She said the name of her faith is Sheolism. Her name was Sheila. Sheolism. It's just my own little voice. By her own account, she had created her own like belief system, her own values, her own everything. And now I feel this is so true about society. Everyone has their own beliefs. Everyone has their own doctrine. Everyone has their own way of life. And that's fine and great. But the question is, how does this doctrine and belief match with the teachings of our Lord? And even one idea that's been coming up a lot lately is like, you know, I just have to be good and I'll go to heaven. And good people go to heaven. And one thing that's been on my mind is how, Yani, Mesalan, what if like me and Ben, we hate each other? And we just keep, like, we keep, Yani, enemies. Enemies. But then I'm good with everybody else. I treat everybody else so wonderfully and I'm kind to everybody. So then everybody says, Oh, Buna David is so nice. But if you ask Ben, he'll say, Buna David does. Mean guy. Wicked. And then, so then, would Ben invite me to his house? Would Ben invite me to his house? No. It doesn't matter if everybody says he's a good guy. It doesn't matter how good you are from society. If you are not good with God, it doesn't matter. Then how can you go to heaven? You have to be right with God. How to be right with God? By believing in Him. By repenting. By all the things that we... So you have to be right with God. This idea that you can just be good in society and be good and whatever. To be good, what does that mean to be good? And we've accepted this. And so many people accept, oh, they're good. Everybody's good. We don't need... Just be good. Do... No, you have to be right with God. You have to be right with God. We have to endure sound doctrine. The second thing we need to endure is we need to endure in worship. We need to endure in watchfulness. In the gospel of today, our Lord says, it is, it is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. So we need to persevere in prayer. And we have weaknesses. We have weaknesses, weaknesses of the flesh, weaknesses of a lot of weaknesses. But we need to persevere in our struggle. We need to struggle. We need to persevere and endure our struggling, endure our affliction. One of the secret prayers that the priest prays during the Catholic epistle, I'm going to tell you the secret, so it's not secret anymore. It says, grant us all time to walk in their footsteps. And to imitate their struggle. Like we're praying as the, the readings are being read. The priest is saying, may we imitate their struggle. And to have communion with them. And then I like this phrase. In the sweat which they have accepted for the sake of godliness. The apostles, they sweat. They worked hard to preach the gospel. And in the, we say, are we imitating them in our struggle? 
You know, in one of the famous parables of the gospel, our Lord says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And I want you to imagine your backyard has like an oil reserve. And, but to prove that the oil is in your backyard, you need to go and you need to dig and dig and dig. And you have to dig deep because the oil's not, it's deep down, especially in the Midwest. You know, if you really want to find oil, you've got to go dig very, if there's anything, you have to dig very deep. And if you are willing to dig, you will find treasure. And you will be very, 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 very rich. But if you don't dig, or if you don't care, you might not even realize that you're sitting on an oil field. So you might sell the house, and you just get the retail asking price for the house. But you won't, you won't realize the full potential until you, until you dig. And I feel similarly, we are sitting on an oil field. We are sitting on treasure, and we don't even realize it. And we're members of the most glorious church, and we don't even realize it. I read a quote this morning that said, The greatest waste, the greatest waste of our natural resources is the number of people who never reach their potential. The greatest waste of our natural resources is the number of people who never reach their potentials. And I feel like these are two threats that threatened Christianity. Is one is mediocrity and the other success. We're going to, I'm going to talk about them both. Mediocrity. Mediocrity is this idea that we just be eh, average. Yani we don't want to we'll be mediocre parents. We don't have to be the best parents. We're just going to be... Mediocre parents. We, want to, we don't need to be superb students. We're just going to be mediocre students. In my job, I'm just, not, I'm just going to be mediocre. I'm just going to do the least I can to get by. And we've lived our lives like this. And even then it comes to our faith and we become mediocre Christians. We become mediocre Christians. But one of the nice things about God... Is like, for instance, in the Tzibaha we say, and in the greatness of your, in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you, you sent forth your wrath. In the greatness of your, in the excellence, our God, a God of excellence, is greatness. And if we want to represent this God, we should you know, struggle, persevere, to be excellent. There was another book on mediocrity. It made like a good point. It said, The price we pay for mediocrity is the ludicrous defacing of God's image before the world. The price is looking only for cheap shortcuts to the fruit without considering the means of getting there. In other words, the price is the integrity of Christians themselves. And this leads Christianity to look ridiculous. And that's why the world doesn't want to have a part of it. Because the Christian, Christianity has become mediocre, it's not appealing to others. But if it was in an extreme form, like in the early church, Christianity was amazing because they really did what the gospel said. The other thing that ruins the church, that ruins our struggle, 
success. And you know the church in Revelations, the lukewarm church that uh, I vomited you out of the mouth. It was neither hot nor cold. But why was the church neither hot nor cold? You know why? I think why it was neither hot nor cold. It was neither hot nor, nor cold because they were successful. And so, like what's written in Revelations, you say, I am rich, and I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And so, in standing before us, we are all very nice, and we're very successful, and very nice. But then the Lord's saying, no, into poor people, poor in repentance, poor in your faith, poor in so many things. So this is not this is not endurance. These things, success and love of materialism kills endurance. And mediocrity kills endurance. We need to endure in perseverance, in prayer and in worship. Otherwise we'll be like the people written in Vespers, the gospel yesterday. The gospel last night was from Luke 17, and it says, As in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day of Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, so it was in the days of Lot. What did they do in the days of Lot? They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Why did these people become so lazy? Because they were so successful. But they didn't need God in their life. I hope we won't be like these people. I hope we are like the Thessalonians. The The Thessalonians... They are a great people, and we'll talk about them later on. I want us to endure in our worship. Lastly, two more things. To endure in persecution, we must, as Christians, endure in persecution. The Gospel of today says, You will be hated all for my name's sake, and brother will turn against brother. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And the Pauline epistle today, when he was writing to the Thessalonians, he says that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know we were appointed to these afflictions. And he says, for in fact, we told you before that when we were with you, that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened. And, you know, and so the world hates Christians. Why does the world hate Christians? Why does the world hate Christians? The world hates Christians because light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. And nobody wants to be exposed. We'd rather just stay in our little shelters and live in sun. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, and that they have been done in God. I loved, one last thing on this, one of the things that I love so much this summer is when I asked our youth, what is the message that you want to deliver to our younger youth, for them to know, you know what our older youth wanted to deliver to our younger youth? They told them the message, the theme verse, you are not of this world. You are different. 
The world would love its own, yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. That they were chosen out of the world. The last thing that we, actually this is kind of a variation, the one thing that we can't endure, I told you to endure three things. To endure, yeah, to endure, to endure, to endure, hmm, Doctrine, sound doctrine, to persevere in sound doctrine. The second one, to endure in worship. The third one, to endure in persecution. The last thing that we cannot endure, we cannot endure, is to see people not enduring. And actually, in the the Pauline epistle today, St. Paul, he says this expression twice. He says, therefore, when we could no longer endure... And what could he no longer endure? It was to see his people, the Thessalonians, not enduring. So he said, when we could not endure, I sent Timothy to you to make sure that you guys are enduring. And then he goes, at the end, he says, For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith. And then he says, therefore, brethren, in all our afflictions and distress, we were comforted concerning by your faith, for now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. The one thing the Christian cannot endure is to see others not enduring, others giving up, others saying, no, we don't want to be Christian, we cannot do this, we can't endure this, because this is the body of Christ. So that's why we are all encouraging each other, we're all lifting each other up. We're always pushing each other, motivating each other in the Christian life. Yeah? And glory be to God forever. Amen. Uh,